again. Welcome to another episode of the Lore Entertainment Podcast, and I am joined once again by Lore Executive John Speed. John, again, welcome back. You just you just can't get enough of me, man. And, no, and- no, man. It's just it's a conviction. <laughs> Uh, this one, this this is going to be a fun episode. As as some of you know, we've we've tried a, an episode or two, uh, what's called a pastor react. Now, some of you may have seen on YouTube uh, technique critique videos. That's where you'll have real firemen judging or critiquing movies about firemen, or real detectives critiquing movies and television shows about real detectives and what's fact and what's fiction. Well. I will say the pastor, Doug Wilson, he does some critiquing mostly on viral videos and, and statements from people, but I haven't seen pastors really deconstruct movies and films, uh, TV shows that depict Christianity or Jesus or God or, or things in within the Christian sphere. And so we're going to, we're, we're pioneering that ground here. And today John Speed is with us and perhaps uh, one of the, uh, one of the best people that could be with us. And we are going to be looking at, the 1977 comedy classic, Oh God. Now, some of you might be saying, what? I know, because it's from 1977. It's a whole other century. And entertainment was pretty good back then. And we're trying to bring good entertainment back at Lure. By, by the way, make sure you subscribe at Lure.tv. In fact, let me bring up that banner. I forgot to do that. Subscribe today. I don't want you to forget. Subscribe at Lure.tv today. Find the stories, the films that Hollywood wouldn't. Uh, but today we're going to look at one of those films that Hollywood did fund. And it's called Oh God, it stars George Burns. Now, once again, some of you say, who's George Burns? He was one of the greatest comedians of the 20th century. It also stars John Denver. Some of you will say, who's John Denver? He was one of the greatest songwriters of the 20th century. Anyway, so we're giving you a history lesson and a theology lesson right here today. We're going to be looking at three categories for this film, theological accuracy. Normally, we'd add historical accuracy, but this is not a historical film, so that one is not, not applicable. And then entertainment value. And so, without further ado, John, are you ready for this? I think I'm ready. We'll find out. Okay, let me uh, let me bring up the first the first clip here. This is where George Burns encounters John Denver's character, and he wants he's telling him what his mission is on for the next little while. So here why we go. me? Why not you? You mean there's no special life is a crapshoot, like the millionth customer who crosses a bridge gets to shake hands with the governor. You thought I picked you because you're better than everybody? Uh, I'm not. You're better than some, but not as good as others. But you crossed the bridge at the right time. If you wanted okay, to see me, stop it. why didn't you just uh, appear? <laughs> All right, what you got here? <laughs> All right, so I'm looking at this theologically, right? So yep. first of all, we got George Burns is a dude. He's a man. Uh, not, not like just like. Uh, pronoun man, but I mean like a physical body, right? So we've got an issue right out of the gate with George Burns. Uh, You know, God is a spirit, John chapter four, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So I'm looking at theology here right out of the gate. We're we have a problem. And now let me ask, can I ask you this? Can I ask this question before you, before you, Old Testament, the angel pre-incarnate Jesus Christ, then we have New Testament, Jesus, and Jesus says, I am the image of the invisible. So would this not be theologically Jesus if, if they're going to be more consistent? 
Yeah, I guess if they wanted to be, I'm sure they don't care, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, this is a, yeah, this is, uh, I guess. I'm not trying to defend them. I'm just saying it no, would no, be. No, I know, I know, I know. Right. If you're looking at it, you could do that. You can say, well, all right. So this is, this is Jesus. Um, but we know that it's not cause that's not Jim Caviezel or, uh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> or Rumi, right. Uh, <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, that would be obviously Jesus is God incarnate. Um, but yeah, they're not going there with that. All right. <laughs> and then the other thing is that life is a crapshoot. That's the other thing yeah. that I want to catch. Uh, it's not. It's not a crapshoot. There's, um, you know, God decrees things and it's, it's not random. Uh, at all uh, it's uh, planned for his everything's detailed out for his glory now there's theological debates that can get started with that but nevertheless the scriptures are clear that uh, that God decrees things and so it's not a crapshoot all right let me give you a few uh, few more or a few more bits out of this scene because okay. there's a couple more things because this is good to set up who the writers think God is and I yeah. but here's the thing John You'll know this too. Uh, this kind of understanding about God is not foreign to professing Christians either. Right. And so let's pay attention to some of that as we, uh, okay. we continue. Okay. Over my bed. Uh, Hollywood. Next question. People are always uh, praying to you. Do you listen? I can't tell peering. I don't always listen. Then you don't care. Of course I care. I care plenty, but what can I do? What, what can you do? <laughs> You're God. Only for the big picture. I don't get into details. Oh. <laughs> I want to stop it here, and I know you got something here too. <laughs> this is some, but, but here it is though. Like, I mean, yeah, I've, heard, right. I've, I've heard that from Christians too, where, where God's big picture or God helps those who help themselves. People right. think that's in the Bible. Or, or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, except quote this verse in context. And that's, again, a big picture, God, everything's up to me. Or God won't give me more than I can handle. Same thing. Not in the Bible. That's Second uh, Corinthians 10, 13. God won't tempt you beyond what you can bear. And if he does, you provide a way out. That's a whole different context than the situation. I can handle the situation. And therefore, if I'm not handling the situation, somehow something is wrong with me or something is wrong with my faith or what or God's punishing me or whatever. But this is this is a contradiction that I see a lot in depictions of God in movies mm. when or even just explaining God is a God of a big picture and he's not in the details. Problem is, if he wasn't in the details, why would he be in this guy's bathroom? Why would he be asking him to do a specific thing to get a specific result if he didn't care about specific details? Like just what they're doing contradicts that. And I think that's one of the things that's one of the inevitable no, that's one of the unavoidable truths about God. We can try to deny it, but our actions and even what we do, you're, it, it proves that he is involved in the details. I don't know. I, go ahead. Right. Yeah, no, you've got that. And the uh, when you've got this idea that he only deals yeah, with the larger scale, and it's almost like a deist mm-hmm. perspective, pretty close. Maybe, maybe where, Thomas Jefferson would have appreciated that. Right. That you created everything, got everything spinning and going in motion. But then 
uh, he's hands off after that. Right. And that's sort of what they're portraying here is sort of a deist. At least that's the, the words out of his mouth are deist. But like you say, the fact he's in the bathroom is not a deist thing. <laughs> so, yeah. But I mean, if we're, if we're, if we stop it there too, okay, these are the theological problems, but entertainment value, it's a fascinating idea, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea God shows up and asks me to do something and I'm having this conversation with God. I mean, who everybody wants to have a conversation with. They'd love it if God showed up. They think they would love it anyway. It appeals to people's imagination. If God showed up, there wouldn't be anything like that. It would be, they would be floored. They'd be flabbergasted. Yeah. They'd be repentant in, a, in an awareness of his holiness. Right. But, um, but entertainment wise, it's an interesting concept. And if God could show up in this way or would show, and it would work out like this in your bathroom while you're, you just finish your shower and you're shaving. Right. Well, I, I do think one thing that that is accurate is the questions John Denver is asking are questions people ask every single day about God. Yep. And so that is something I think that's accurate. And there's okay. a couple more that I want to hear in this clip and then we'll, we'll move to another one. Whatever happens to us happens. Yeah. I put in a new blade. Details. I mean, there's, there's no plan, no scheme to, to guide our destinies. A lot of it is luck. <laughs> luck? I gave you a world and everything in it. It's all up to you. But we need help. That's why I gave you each other. But if you're so involved with us, yeah. how can you permit all the suffering that goes on in the world? Uh, how can I permit the suffering? Yeah. I don't permit the suffering. You do. Free will. All the choices are yours. Choices? What choices? You can love each other, cherish and nurture each other. You can kill each other. You're all. <laughs> well, yeah. I want to get you right there because it, why, why is there pain and suffering? I asked that question. There's a there's a someone I'm discipling now who asked me that question about about stuff going on, and you know, so we got into the problem of sin, the problem of suffering, the problem of evil. Even Christians who believe in Jesus and are consistent with their theology, we're going to have that. It is a problem. Uh, speak to this a little bit. Yeah, it's a you know it's a tough question in the sense that we're emotionally involved with all of the pain and suffering. It's not just a theoretical thing. Um, but I mean, just biblically speaking, the pain and suffering all began at the garden with rebellion of man against the laws. of God's sin and death comes into the world. You can't, you got to earn your living by the sweat of your brow and there's pain in childbirth and all these things. And then all the death and misery that goes with that. It's just part of sinful condition, the sinful condition of humanity. Um, and it kind of goes along with what he's getting at, what they're getting at here with free will. Um, you know, I don't make any bones about where I stand theologically. I believe I'm a, I'm a Calvinist. Mm-hmm. I believe in total depravity. And uh, when it comes to free will, what people will do is they will choose between, you know, some selfish thing and another selfish thing or sin A and sin B. But they're not going to choose God in that in that free will. And so. You know, yeah, it's true enough that a lot of the pain and the suffering 
happens because of bad, you know, sinful decisions that we're making with that unfettered, so to speak, free will that doesn't choose God, they're insinuating that you can, you know, that if you just made better choices, that there would be no pain and suffering. That's just not going to happen based on what the scriptures teach, like in Romans 3, uh, 9 through 18 or so about um, human nature, uh, where our feet are quick to shed blood. You know, we're the poison of, of asps is under our lips. You know, it's, it's well, wouldn't, wouldn't it also lend to that end that, you know, you have um, Jeremiah, the heart is des- uh, desperately wicked, deceitful above all things who can know it. You have yeah. James talking about, we invent our own sins that come out of our hearts. And uh, yeah, you know, I mean, so there, there is a, there is a lot of scriptural basis that we, 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 we do that ourselves and, and we'll choose it ourselves if yeah. not for God. Uh, breaking in and and saving yeah. us, right, right. All right. Here's another clip. Uh, it is so he wants more proof that God is really God. I see you know a lot of things, and 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 you've been making a lot of things happen, but but none of it seems godlike. Yeah, godlike. And what to you would be godlike? Uh, change the weather. Ah, special effects, huh? What would you like? A little, a little earthquake? Uh, a small hurricane? Well, well, no, no, I, I wouldn't want anybody hurt. I was just thinking, maybe. Uh, what about a little rain? A little rain? Yeah, a, a small shower. One small shower, <laughs> you got it. Hey, hey, it's raining. <laughs> you made it rain. You didn't even bat an eye. You, you left it the finger. Rain's not that hot. It's unbelievable. Would you like it to rain a lot? No, no, this is fine. How about big drops? No, this is fine, fine. Would you care for a little snow? <laughs> I don't believe it. Hey, hey, it's not raining outside. It's just in here. Fortunately, <laughs> well, everybody's there. <laughs> This is fantastic. <laughs> it's just- All right, man. I, I got to hear your thoughts right here, man. We see this a lot when, when God proves himself in the movies. It's always the miracles, which actually, that is not unlike when he was before Herod on his trials. Prove to me that you're the son of God, you know, all these kinds of things. So it's that's not, and we do it ourselves. Prove that you're God, prove that you're God. And what we want to see is a parlor trick. We want to see, you know, his best mm-hmm. David Blaine impression, as if that's going to change our minds. Yeah. But at, you know, at the same time, he, I mean, he can do things, but also his miracles have a purpose and, and they were for a specific purpose and they weren't just for your amusement. Uh, yes. All right. Speak a little bit to this if you can. Yeah. So the miracles, I mean, well, the whole story of Lazarus and the, and the rich man, right. And um, when he, they're in, uh, yeah, Lazarus is in paradise. Rich man is in torments. And he's like, uh, send my, you know, send someone back, you know, let me, let me go back and warn them. Mm -hmm. Let me go back and warn my brothers about this. And Jesus says, you know, unless they've got Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. You know, if they won't hear the word of God, a miracle won't convince them. And, you know, that is certainly a prevalent idea in certain circles of Christianity these days. Is that it's been that way for a while. That if you have uh, 
miracles, then that will cause people to believe. Right. And so, um, you know, that's, it just doesn't work that way because what happens, right? Well, you know, if you're watching this film, you got a rainstorm inside of a car (laughs) and, um, you know, people will just look at that and go, well, that's obviously fake. Well, the same thing happens with the, the miracles in the Bible. When atheists come up against those, what do they do? They come up, well, you know, Jesus was just really good at sleight of hand or whatever. He walked uh-huh. on the water. He's like, like you say, David Blaine, he figured he has something worked out there. You know, uh, they've got to be convinced not by their eyesight, but by the truth of what the word of God says about who Christ is. Hmm. But All right. uh, oh, I was ahead, on the entertainment side of things. That's just funny stuff. And um, <laughs> George Burns, I mean, you see there a little bit why he's really great at dry, you know what I mean? Sort of <laughs> dry yeah. rainfall, but uh, just delivering a dry <laughs> line, you know, in the middle of a rainstorm, he can even do it. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. This is a scene of some theological questions. So what happens is John Denver's character is bringing God's message to his community, right? And nobody believes him. The newspapers won't pick him up, blah, blah, blah. They all think he's crazy. Now that is pretty accurate. We bring the message to God all the time. People think we're nuts. So we, and we've seen that throughout scripture. It'll, that'll be how it is. He then sits down with a a table of theologians, and they pres- they want to give him a bunch of questions to ask God. So here are the theologians vetting and grilling John Denver. Who have demonstrated over the years an astonishing lack of interest in spiritual matters. You know, it strikes me, as one who has actually heard his voice, it's Paul Sorvino that there. you have virtually no prerequisites to make direct contact with the Almighty whatsoever. You've heard him? He has made his word known to me. (laughs) What was he wearing? I know his word through the scriptures. It would be blasphemy to suggest that we could describe the Creator in human terms. Why? If he created us, why wouldn't he appear to us as one of us? Don't you suggest Don't you, young man, try to teach this assemblage the role of the deity. Rabbi Silverstone, my good and great friend, brother in the work of the Lord, with whom we have broke bread many times. I just got to pause it right here. I want to continue. This actually happens, too. Mm -hmm. The 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 interfaith stuff where they try to come up with answers, but they, but at that table, they don't agree who Jesus is and who God is. So there's no way they're, they're going to have any, any consistent line of questioning. I just, I always find that interesting. Yeah. But, uh, oh yeah. All right, here we go. Is a pillar of the American Jew community. Bishop Reardon represents millions of Roman Catholics. Bishop Marcos, multitudes of Greek Orthodoxers. And while we have virtually every religious persuasion represented here today, and I personally have been chosen to render the benediction at this year's Super Bowl. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Mr. Landers, we really find insufficient documentation to support your claim. But you're not saying it didn't happen. 
No, we are saying there is insufficient documentation which puts the score at God seven. You zip. <laughs> we have decided, however, out of a sense of fairness and ecclesiastical curiosity, to allow you to present us with certain evidence. What evidence? We have assembled a set of questions for you to ask God. There are 50 questions. 50? You want me to get God to take a quiz? <laughs> Wow. So here's here's something else that that I've seen too as a because I mean I planted church I know you, you you're a church planner too mm-hmm. and I've also worked to help coach pastors and, and church planters and so on and so forth and we have there are you know you, you get together and you do have people that advise and they they provide counsel and guidance and so on but one of the things I always found interesting was because is because the the when when we really preach. Christ and him crucified, it doesn't put the butts in the seats necessarily, which if you go to a standard church conference, they're going to tell you how to put butts in seats. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. And it's going to be a group like that that will all sit around and, they're, 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 and their aim is something else other than I really want to know who God is. Um, and at least at the table in that scene I'm talking about. But I, kind of, I, I see a similar thing where they're, they were looking more at what is your prerequisite and how, how can you, why would God talk to you and all this other stuff? And one of the things I asked at one of the uh, church planting conferences was they were talking about, you know, if you, if you, if you're, if you, if you lose members, et cetera, et cetera, then you must be doing something wrong and you have to go and you have to find out why. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing and making it short for time. But what I'm always reminded of there is John six, where after he feeds the 5,000 and Jesus goes across the lake and they follow him over and they want more sourdough. And he says, I am the bread, you know, and they say, no, this teaching is too hard. And they all desert him, Jesus, him being Jesus. And he, he lets them go. Like I, we, we, Today, we would look at that and say, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you letting them go? What did you do wrong? You Next week, you should have a different delivery. And I, th- there is kind of that theological, theological, what's, it's not pride, arrogance, theological arrogance that we think we can get this down to a science and we know, and, and here's the package, just like there are yeah. 50 questions. And, you know, here's five minutes to raising your church giving or here's this, that, and the other. And I think that actually was represented fairly well there. But I think you kind of have to be a nerd in the weeds to pull that out. Right. Um, your, your thoughts on that? And then we've got kind of a part two to that. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying there, it's almost like Jesus could benefit from a church growth course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's the head of the church, but, you know, he's, does, he's not really doing it right. We could correct him. Um, have, you re- have you read this book yet? Would be, we'd ask him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Have you taken my course or whatever? That, yeah. uh, that's, that's true. That's very true. And, you know, like you say, if you've been to any pastoral meetings, especially if you've ever been sat in on any ecumenical thing, all of that, that's why it makes it so funny when he does the uh, Orthodox earth. <laughs> Cause there's this, like people, you know, that go to those things that it's clear. They're not used to, even talking to these people at all, but now they're all getting together 
to make decisions on you know life changing things and yeah, but it yeah it's uh it, it's a good it's a funny scene part. Whoever wrote that, I don't know who wrote it, but whoever wrote that had some familiarity with how those things go. All right. So this is a part two to that. And uh, this is, I think it's very, Hollywood has two versions of Christians. There's the, there's the Catholic Christian, which is usually what you see because they're always wearing their, their habit and everything or the habits of the nuns. But, you know, they're always wearing their, 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 their in their getup and they're in their empty church and that kind of thing. Or empty cathedral, I should say. And then there is the the holy rollers, and those are those would be the closest to the Protestants that typically are represented in Hollywood. And here is that pastor there, I believe, is Reverend Williams in the movie, played by the late great Paul Sorvino. And John Denver brings back the questions to him and interrupts his church service. Bible tells us that God knows the falling of a sparrow and the depth of a pocket. And that is what I'm talking about. Come up, come up, brothers and sisters, and put in our hands what you would put in God's hands, and he will have the whole world in his hands. So you should thank you can put that right. Yes. Thank you very much. God bless you. May the Lord you. It's so good to see you. Thank you. Please keep moving. Reverend Williams, that's all right. That's all right. This man is doing the moment. What are you doing here? God sent me to you. One moment. One moment. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, this is the young man who has used so much energy to convince everyone that he has seen God. Now wait, wait. Would you repeat what you just said to me? God God sent me to you. God sent him to me. Are you certain of that? Yes, I, I I just left him. He, he wanted me to give you these, uh, these answers to all of those questions. God specified me? Yes. And, and he also asked me to tell you that, that, that he's, he's very unhappy. God is very unhappy. Yes, he, he's, he's unhappy that, that, that you're, that you're get, getting rich this way. And, and, and that he'd like you to stop pretending that, that, that you're spreading his word. In fact, he suggested that you sell shoes. Jesse! That's, he, well, that's what he said! You're all right. So there's a little bit in there. There's the, the harpooning of the church service. But what are uh, some of your initial thoughts here? Well, I'm kind of taking the whole thing together along with what he's saying there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that they're just really tearing apart the idea that God's in control of anything mm-hmm. all through what the clips that we've seen here. And then even the decision to do get he's got the whole world in his hands all this it's meant to attack the idea of the sovereignty of god and i think that people like that i like to do that you know they like to attack that idea um because we want to be in control of everything and it's a lot easier if we can blame it on ourselves than 
if we can blame it, yeah, if we can take credit for everything that goes wrong in the world or right in the world, um, people would rather have that than have a God who's actually in control of disasters. Hmm. Right. Um, why do you, we got, I got one more clip. We've got a few minutes left, but why do you think, why does that juxtaposition that duality exists? We, we can't, can we really not fathom a God that's in control of disasters too? Does that go to the objection of why would a, why would a good God allow evil? Is that along right. those lines? And we just, we just don't want to face that. We just don't want to face it. I, um, I did a fair amount of street preaching up in New York State when I was church planning up there. I do a lot of it still. And the thing is, is um, there are people that will say, where was God on 9-11? Right. Where was God? I had that question come up when I was preaching after a Syracuse University game. And I, I said, where was God on 9-11? He was where he's always been. He's seated on his throne. And that fact ought to cause you to fear him and to reverence him and to consider what he says, you know, about eternal life and about all these things, not um, just have these questions, these doubts about who he is and his goodness. He was he's in control of those things. Now, I'm not saying he flew the planes into the buildings, but I am saying he certainly allowed it. Mm-hmm. And a holy, righteous God allowing that kind of thing to happen ought to give us all pause to say, my life isn't really secure because I sin against God and he's in control of everything. That ought to give me a minute to pause and to consider my own ways, as the Bible mm-hmm. says, consider your ways. And um, yeah, it's you know, even Christians will talk like this. Well, we don't know what happened here. We don't know why these things happen. Actually, the Bible does say why they happen. On one hand, we're sinful. On the other hand, uh, God's in control. So those are the reasons why things happen. And uh, what we ought to do instead of being prideful and questioning him, we ought to submit to the gospel and believe it. Okay, one more clip, and we'll wrap up the deconstruction of Oh God, Oh My. Yeah. Okay, here, here's the here's the wrap up. The this is already this is a theological rose with no bloom, but here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> trip to spend a little time with animals. I like animals. And sometimes I don't spend enough time with them. We failed, didn't we? What are you talking? We did terrific. I gave a message of encouragement. You passed it along. Now we'll see. You did good. We both did good. What covered? You think anybody got the message? You think we have enough apples in the world? Apples? We got all the apples we need. You're Johnny Appleseed. You drop a few seeds and you move on. The seeds are good, they'll take root. I gave you great seeds, the best. I lost my job, you know. There are other cities, other supermarkets. Everybody thinks I'm a nut. Galileo, Pasteur, Einstein, Columbus. You're in good company. Hold on. Well better be going. Uh, 
Aren't you coming back? No. Ever? Whenever comes, we'll see. Uh, sometimes, uh, now and then, couldn't we just talk? I'll tell you what, you talk, I'll listen. How touching. And his dad leaves the family and never returns home. <laughs> that's kind of how they portray and that that's yeah. the view of God is he's he's a deadbeat dad, really. Yeah. Except they can't he can't help but be involved in his in his kids' lives, but of course we're theologically muddy there. But okay, so what do you think is the theological message and picture of God from oh God? Well, you know, you <laughs> <laughs> it goes back to the whole thing we said at the beginning. He's traveling, right? So he's off to go see other things. Well, God's omnipresent and he doesn't need to travel somewhere to go see animals, right? Um, and so there's that. But they, they, what they're doing is they're obviously, they're just trying to make God look like us. You know, it's it's the whole if you do look at Roman mythology and Greek mythology, that's largely just glorified versions of us. This one's not so even glorified. You know, you don't really have thunderbolts coming out of his fingertips or anything quite, although it seems like he caused a rainstorm in the car. Um, <laughs> you know, that's not the whole film, but yeah. the, I, um, yeah, I think this is the kind of God people like to have, honestly. They would like to have a grandfatherly sort of God who offers good advice, says nice things, encourages you, and like you say, just goes on his way. Um, they don't That's, interesting. That's an interesting picture. I mean, that would be kind of like our stereotypical grandparent. Like we'd, we'd hang out with them in the holidays and maybe some weekends, and but they go away ultimately and yeah. they're not directly involved and they don't really have any direct agency or control sovereignty over our lives. So I guess it would be kind of a, a God in, in our image in this case. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than him creating us and his, we're creating him and ours in, in Hollywood. That's what they're doing. And I'll just apply this a little bit. That's why we got to be so careful when we're talking about depictions of God whether you're talking about God the Father or, the, or Jesus, that we don't try to emphasize the humanity so much that we miss the fact that he is truly God. And I think some of the recent efforts, and, you know, I've been a critic of The Chosen for a while, but um, that those things like he gets us, that, that emphasis or that uh, ad campaign mm-hmm. and The Chosen, they're emphasizing the humanity of Jesus to the exclu- almost the total exclusion of his deity. And in in a very similar way, you're you're, you know, not as blasphemously, right? Not as in your face, but still, it's subtle, and it's that subtle stuff that I think is actually more dangerous, like the, than this kind of thing, um, because it gets people slowly thinking differently about who Christ is, you, rather than as he's revealed in the scripture. Do you think that, you know, like the writers of, Oh God, for example, do you think that some of those things, you, the subtle things, the denial of de- deity, how much of that we know, we can't look into people's hearts and we can't go in the past and ask them, but how much of that do you think is on purpose because we rebel against God or if we, if we don't, if we don't belong to him? Yeah, I think so. And I think if you think back to that time frame, what what did you say that was made? The 70s? 77, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Hollywood in the seventies was a mess. You know, they were pushing as many envelopes and into the eighties, they were pushing the envelope as far as they could. And they were being very deliberate. Like we want to strike back at traditional sort of Christianity, traditional America. And, um, you know, you're seeing it now amped up times a hundred with all the woke stuff and LGBT and everything that that's been part of it. Um, and so back then that was lower scale, but now this is where that kind of thing leads. Right. I mean, after 30, 40 years, this is where we are now in Hollywood. So here's the go home question, my friend, how is lure and lure.tv a, a response, a safeguard, a solution to, and, and the antithesis in a good way of that kind of storytelling. Yeah. I mean, what we tell the creators is love God and make what you want. We give give them a lot of freedom more so than like a pure flicks or some of the other, uh, you know, Christian streamers. Um, So on the one hand, we're doing that, but it starts with loving God. And if you love God and you have respect to his commands and you have respect to the word of God and the gospel, you're going to portray it's you're going to portray him rightly and um, and actually teach truth. Uh, We want stories that are true and beautiful and good and um, that, that don't tell lies about who God is. And so while that's not always clean and tidy, can be messy when sin, human sin is involved, as long as it's being depicted as sinful, um, I think it, even that can glorify God in a right way to show this is what life without God is like, as long as it's not glorifying, you know, filth or something like that. I think that's another reason why God is, God has inspired lore and the platform of lore and the business of lore and the ministry of lore in you and Marcus and Jason and, and all the team and, and connecting you with these different storytellers and producers and writers and animators, because, you know, we, it's a, we, that is Christians need this kind of true presence. And you mentioned on a previous podcast that lore isn't exactly a free speech platform because we're not, it's not an anything goes platform. Right. And there is a biblical standard of truth that applies to all projects mm-hmm. and that's going to filter them and, and projects that don't adhere to that won't be supported. So, you know, that, Oh God wouldn't get made the way that was, right. but perhaps there's a, perhaps there's a different way in the future somehow that that can be done. Um, at any rate, we let's get to the evaluation. I have an idea what you're going to say, but we'll do it anyway. What is the uh, uh, theological accuracy? One to ten, one being not, ten being that was incredible, ripped from the pages of our sacred texts. What say you? Oh man, I mean, you're like, <laughs> do you, can I give it a one? <laughs> I mean, I'm not even sure. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's pretty bad. Like, yeah. All right. And how about inter- how about entertainment value? Is there is there any is there anything in there for entertainment that's a good time? I mean, if you're watching just anytime you're watching George Burns, mm-hmm. I mean, he's even when he I remember as a kid watching him when he was still alive thinking, how does this guy still have the ability to pull this off? And he's yeah. really brilliant. And De- John Denver there, um, I mean, he does in those clips, he's definitely communicating the sort of um, 
I don't know how to say it. I want to say gullible. I'm not sure that's really right. Maybe, but like, maybe naivete a little bit or something. Yeah, right. That's a good word. You see that, and he does a great job with that. Mm-hmm. Part of it. So you got good acting there, and I think you can watch something like that and go, okay, well, I totally reject the theology, but there's some there's some uh, good acting going on there you can learn from. All right. Uh, eat the meat, spit out the bones. All right. Well, that's our uh, Pastor Reacts of Oh God uh, with the Lure Entertainment Podcast. Thank you, John, for spending the time and uh, hope you enjoyed it. If you like this kind of this kind of programming, this kind of nonsensical, whimsical fun, uh, let us know. You can let us know in the comments, whatever platform you're watching this, this podcast. If you want to see us dissect another movie about God or Christianity or Jesus, let us know. We'll, we'll take, we'll, we'll do requests. We will play requests. All right. All, all night long. Uh, anyway, thanks again, John, for being on the show. For John, I'm Andrew Southwick. This has been the Lore Entertainment Podcast. We'll see you next time.